0: yo this is sam sports podcast it is tuesday january 16th 2018 you guys we're back it's me and shaka we have to go over a listen that was they've talked about it as being some of the most exciting football all season and it did not let down shaka holy moly how did you like this weekend of games
1: i mean Look, they say the, the ratings in the NFL are down, things aren't the same. Fuck you. That yeah. was a fantastic weekend. That's why you watch football. And if you didn't watch a game because you were upset someone was kneeling, then you're a fucking dummy.
0: Oof. Dude, calling you right out. Shaka is not pulling any punches right now, guys, because the truth was that was some of the best football I've ever seen in my entire life. Whoa. Oof. Man, all right. Good time. Good we, time had by all. Good. Good time had by all. Let's start from the start, go right through this thing, and experience it in, in all its glory. So I'm just going to start us off with the Eagles' victory, okay? They were underdogs at home, number one seed, going into Philadelphia with Nick Foles. Eagles gut out a 15-10 to win against this Atlanta Falcons team. There was a lot of expectation the Falcons were going to come out. They had the swagger of last year. You know, they had made some up and downs all season. But I'm telling you, man, we've seen – this is now – okay, what we're seeing now is the evolution of a new Eagles team coming into a rebirth this half of the season. Now that Wentz is gone, now that the offense is down to Nick Foles, much more conservative, running the ball, can, you know, getting getting the first downs when they need to be there, this is a defensive team that is grinding out a game because when you look at this score, when you accept the fact that this Falcons offense scored zero points in the second half, and was only able to put up 10 points on the day, you look back at the Raiders scoring 10 points against this Eagles defense, and now we need to accept the fact that in all their glory, the Eagles are a smash-mouth defense that can be up there and can be rivaled with the Minnesota Vikings defense. So give me some some reactions from this game, because it was an exciting thing to watch as an Eagles fan, but I want to see what else did you take away from this grudge match that was the Eagles-Falcons.
1: I think uh, right off the bat, we have to kind of just take our hats off, bow down, you know, salute the Eagles defense. Because really and truly, at the end of the day, they're the only fucking reason that the Eagles
0: are going to be fantastic. hosting an NFC championship game.
1: It's fantastic. I mean, Fletcher Cox, Darby. I mean, the the list goes on of heroes and just moments in the game where they came through and they just put so much pressure into that backfield. And it, they did not give Matt Ryan any time to feel comfortable sometimes in that backfield. I mean, it really just, you talk about sweating it out. I can't remember what time, what moment in the game it happened, but I sent you a text that just said, whoa, mama, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, just a huge, I think it was the goal line stance towards the end of the game where I was just like, man, oh man, this is like, this is it. This is for everything right now, this moment. And they they held up, man. They, they fought him off. They, fought, they forced him uh, just to kick a field goal think it was and I was just like man what a fucking break the Eagles just got like you know and again the defense the defense showed up we've been talking about how good they are all season they had a couple moments where they were kind of wibbly wobbly but in a big moment when it counted in crunch time they came through the other note Nick Foles is 23 for 30 That's not bad
0: no no Nick Foles was good in this game he was good in this game
1: not bad at all. The only downside, those two fumbles at the beginning, I mean, at the beginning of the game, he looked like a nervous wreck. I yeah. mean, but he calmed down, and he, he got his command under control, and look, he can be solid, he had, you know, aside from the two fumbles. I mean, he didn't throw any picks. He didn't throw anything out there I thought was too reckless. So, uh, look, you got to look at the positives there, man. And they 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 kept going with the running game. They didn't abandon it, which we'll talk about later with other teams. Doing and I mean, it cost them so I think the running game here, the fact that they leaned on it heavy was a big factor in his W.
0: This game was quite an experience, both as an Eagles fan and also as I think I would hope more most NFL fans because we saw several storylines really sort of evolve throughout this. We saw the full storyline where he's really kind of been up or down, they've talked about how he's you know, he's talked about how he's been thinking too much, he's not getting comfortable. We saw him sputter in the beginning, start the game out with a with a pass interference call, which essentially was a ball that he underthrew by 10 yards. And he did have an interception which bounced off the defender's knee and somehow got caught by Torrey Smith. Like this was an instrumental catch in getting one of their field goals on the board. Uh, a big moment. So you see sort of these moments of blunder, but you have to also take in the fact that early in the second half, he got into a rhythm with Alshon Jeffrey and moved the ball right down the field on a scoring drive. He was able to make some mistakes early on and still respond. He was able to not turn the ball over. He was able to listen when he got that, that fumble on the goal line, you know, that was a crucial heads up play that Nick Foles kind of saved. Then you also see storylines of the Eagles defense, which Throughout the season, it's been the Eagles D and it's been Carson Wentz. And now that Wentz is gone, you know, even I'm going to come out and say I'm one of the first people who was so doubting that this team could really do it all. Now the Eagles D has sort of shown that, okay, we're the only superstar left on this team and we're enough of a superstar to take this team to a Super Bowl because to see them call out that fourth down play against Julio Jones, to read the entire defense. To and and now I know the Falcons have been terrible in the red zone. They've always sputtered, but the Eagles held them, man. There were some yep. key stops where they had to stop them, and they got to stop. And you said it; these fumbles early in the game. You saw that atrocious Jay Ajaya fumble on the second play of the game, and then you see the muffed punt by the uh, the Eagles later in the game. These were atrocious turnovers that the eagles were able to overcome it takes a hell of a defense to be able to win the turnover battle or really essentially lose the turnover battle like that but still win the game i i mean this this definitely i mean i was really i was blown away as as to see that victory the way it went down to see how dominating they were in the second half against that falcons offense i mean whoo i'm i'm um, for the first time in a while, I'm honestly saying Nick Foles might be all they need.
1: Yeah, look, man. I mean, honestly, those fumbles, when you think about it, the Falcons didn't turn the ball over at all whatsoever. And it takes an incredible amount to win um, when you're the team turning over. I mean, turnovers are one of those things that coaches preach and preach. and preach. They change games constantly. I mean, how many countless times? You know, look at the, uh, we're going to talk about coming up. That Saints game, turnovers change games. Mm-hmm. The change of flow of games and the fact that the Eagles, you know, were minus two, minus three in that department. They still pulled out a gutsy fucking win. Gutsy. I mean, it says a lot about the team and just the constitution and where they're coming from. They came into the underdogs. And I know they felt it deep down that everyone kind of expected them to go down to the Falcons. And, I mean, I'm sure they probably walked out. Their chests were – they can't take it anymore, air. they were so proud when this thing was over.
0: They deserved it, man. They absolutely deserved it, and – I mean, they played amazing ball and they ran it. You know, we've talked about they needed to run the ball. They ran it more. There was one of those, that early drive, that first, that essentially their only touchdown drive of the the game, they ran it most of the entire drive, pushed it all the way downfield and had to go on fourth and goal. I mean, there's a gutsy call from Doug Peterson, man, going in, underdog in his home arena, wins the playoff game, fourth and goal. I mean, that took some balls to run that play as opposed to just coming away with a field goal. And, I mean, another thing that you just got to give credit to the coaching staff. I mean, this Eagles team, they're for real. I'm not just being a homer when I say that.
1: They believe they can be, you know, they believe they're Super Bowl material. They believe they can win it all. You know, and that's all, sometimes that's all it takes. Someone doubting you when you think you've got, you know, what it takes, it gives you that little extra to kind of go out there and show everyone what you're made of.
0: And this Falcons team, man, you know, up and down all season, I think this was – listen, I think they got beat by a better team, but I do think the Falcons have all of the pieces. They had all the pieces to come out on top against that Eagles team, and I, I just – I know I just saw today that Steve Sarkeesian's been extended. They're going to keep him as offensive coordinator, but I, um, you got to, you got to really – got to take a long, hard look when you have guys like Julio Jones not being able to That'd convert on fourth down, and I don't think that's his fault.
1: Yeah, honestly, that, that catch that he didn't catch, I think it was a, it was just a simple timing gap. He says, I forgot what his excuse was, but to me, when I looked at the video, it looked as if he had jumped a little early, he was anticipating it coming his way, and it looked like he jumped a little early, he landed, and then he jumped again, but just the timing was off, like that moment, that beat that he needed to make the catch, and it passed. You know, like if he had hesitated and like delayed two seconds, that would have been a completion.
0: Inches. This game is a game of inches, moments, dude. No more moments than moments like that when you can't convert on fourth down. Um, Pass
1: off the Falcons for, I mean, a hard felt. Look, they. Julio Jones got. He got all those targets. I always say he should get. You know, he put up big numbers, and it still just was not enough. I mean, the Eagles' defense—they just wanted it more.
0: Dude, got to be scared. This Eagles defense is for real. Let's shift gears. Let's go to the other side of the NFC, which is now going to make up the NFC championship, this Viking Saints game. This was, I mean, there was some fantastic football this weekend, but this is the one that's going to live down for the ages with that ending play. For those of you, I'm sure, hopefully you know what we're talking about. Stephon Diggs, the game-winning 61-yard touchdown catch on third and 10 with no time left to win the game. Uh, I mean... I, I sit there, I think of moments like the Broncos, you know, Ravens game when Jacoby Jones caught that touchdown pass to win the game. That was the year the Ravens won the, the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I think of other huge moments that turn a game like, you know, Deshaun Jackson's punt return against the Giants, things like that. But yeah. in a playoff game and, you know, something else, that Ravens-Broncos game I'm talking about was in a visiting arena. That was the Ravens silencing a crowd, whereas this you had – Stefan Diggs sort of saving a hometown that's really been dealt with a lot of a lot of curses and bad just playoff losses, that Vikings team. Um, but listen, hats off to the Vikings. It was amazing. But let's really talk about this game because I think, again, yeah. we're going to talk about the moment. The moment will be talked about for years forever, but let's talk about this game because this was a hell of a game. Vikings were yeah. favored, and I think the Vikings dominated the whole game. And what's shocking is is that as much as they dominated the whole game, let's let's be fucking real here. The Saints won the game, okay? Aside yeah. from a miracle at the end of the game, the Saints won that game. They came back into the fourth quarter. Drew Brees shredded them in the fourth quarter to essentially win that game. So let's go back to square one and really talk about what happened here. Now... I thought the Vikings were really dominating. They they stopped Drew Brees. They were, they were not being able to move the ball. They couldn't run the ball. Drew Brees couldn't get the conversions. And then he throws a couple of interceptions in the first half, and then they have a missed field goal. Like, this was a defensive showcase by the Vikings, and they were able to move the ball. I, I mean, Jarek McKinnon, uh, uh, Latavius Murray, they had several great rushing plays, and then Case Keenum. Like, a whole, this beautiful game plan to dominate this first half of the game. But then you saw Drew Brees step up and kind of shred this defense. Give me some thoughts on what you saw from the Vikings kind of having half one and then Drew Brees taking over in half two. Give me some of what you thought of.
1: Half one, I'm going to have to say, look, it doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, but Everson Griffin. Yeah. uh, I mean, he was just a one-man just wrecking crew. For that front line in Minnesota, I, he he just disrupted Drew Brees. He kept them, you know, uncomfortable in the pocket. There was one time I, I think he had a pass deflection, or an inter- I think that was one of Brees' interceptions actually. Griffin had his back. I think he was halfway through like a spin move on the lineman, and he had a hand up, and he just batted away a pass. from Oh Drew Brees.
0: Right, and, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. He
1: just disrupted everything. I mean, all throughout the first half, and that was really th- the key to the first half was just pressure. I think. Um, The Vikings' game plan going on was to be super physical with the Saints team, to intimidate them in any way they could. And it worked. I mean, Michael Thomas and Xavier Rhodes were just going back and forth all game. All game. And Michael Michael Thomas got
0: his in the second half. But in the first half, he was pretty silent.
1: Yeah, I think psychologically in the first half, I think they just had – they were in their head. Like nothing was just going well. I mean, Drew Brees looked out of sorts in the first half. And if you look at his numbers compared to that first half, to the second half. I don't know what happened, what light switch went on, but I think a big part of it was um, Alvin Kamara just getting involved. I mean, they just really kind of just leaned on him heavy. Ingram kind of faded away towards the second half, and, I mean, everything just kind of went through Alvin Kamara, which is kind of a, you know, I I almost want to say if they'd gone on to win this game, you could call that the passing of the torch. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I agree. Kamara was a big part of, I think, what kicked into that offensive spark. There was also... I feel like they went up-tempo. I feel like they really yeah. started to try it's to like respond thankful. to what the Vikings' defense was doing to them.
1: I, I remember one particular play. I don't think you remember this, too. They did a—it um, wasn't a flea flicker, but it was a, it was a double pass. Mm-hmm. And Kamara was wide open.
0: Oh, that was Willie Sneed threw to Kamara, he and he missed, missed him. Threw it, he overthrew it just a little bit. But I thought
1: about that moment, and this is when the Saints were mounting their comeback, and I was like, man, that would have been such a gut punch. Uh, moment and then this is obviously before the game was over I was thinking man the Saints are really kind of giving it to him right now defense they were coming back I mean Case Keenum was making some really I mean he had a couple of bad throws where he's throwing off his back leg under pressure He threw one really bad pick like that I mean oh
0: that that pick was atrocious I mean that was that was a backbreaker if you've looked back if the Saints win that game you've got to look back at that pick as being absolute destructive
1: I think all signs would have pointed to Case Keenum looking – I mean, again, it's a tale of the halves. In the first half, he, it was one time in the pocket Keenum had so much time to throw the football, he could have made a fucking sandwich. Yeah. And still, you still know, completed to the receiver. The second half, you know, um, the guys on that front line – Cameron
0: Jordan, fucking, man. Cameron Jordan was being a world beater in the second half.
1: second half, it was like a completely different, you know, monster they were dealing with. And Keenum looked – he looked frazzled. He was throwing a lot of his back leg. I mean, just really –
0: I even want to say wasn't there some miraculous pass he had to Adam Thielen I want to say yeah. in the fourth quarter when they were Phelan when they were Adam kicking a field goal and it was really <laughs> it was a dangerous pass that sort of just worked out.
1: And, and yeah in any other circumstance you'd have been like what the hell are you thinking making that throw but Adam Thielen went up and got that one. I mean it was it was beautiful. I, there was nothing the defender could do to stop that one. But again that was it was this kind of a oh my god what are you doing kind of moment. They looked uh, they looked frantic in the second half and I mean Again, you like you said it, man, the Saints, the Saints, by all rights, they won that game. And I mean, I had a tremendous amount of reflect you know, um respect for them because I was sitting here like, man, they were down 17-0 at halftime. They fought their way back into this, they're up, you know, and we were kind of going through the motions at the end of the game. The, yeah. the Vikings like twenty-five seconds left. There was no way they were gonna make it all the way downfield. You know, or at least in theory, they weren't supposed to make it all the way downfield. It was pretty much like, you know, open and shut. All the guys had to do was wrap up and tackle and let the clock run out. And that did not happen. And then,
0: I mean, playoff pressure blunder moments like that happen that just turn history.
1: I mean, I, I was sitting here with my girlfriend and, you know, like, I'm just saying, I was like, man, I'm like reflecting on the game before it's over. I'm like, you know what? The Saints played really hard. This is a really, you know, this is a good win. And I just all, you know, biases aside, I was actually rooting for the Saints just because, you know, I...
0: They deserved it.
1: Yeah, I think they really deserved I mean, it. I mean,
0: Drew like, Brees uh, did some Hall of Fame shit. I mean, yeah. throwing these pinpoint passes yeah. to Michael Thomas, hitting Alvin Kamara to take the lead. I mean, holy shit. And then with, with, at the end of the game, pushing them down the field to kick a game-winning field goal. I mean, he did mm-hmm. everything you could have wanted him to do.
1: I think he was, like, 9 for 13 in the second half. He he had some just absurd numbers. I think it was even better than that. But, I mean, just it was just that nod of respect we are like, man, this was, like, a hard fought, hard-earned win. Respect to you, Drew Brees. And then all of a sudden, even Drew Brees, they, they had a shot of him on the sideline with his back to the field because he just had the jitters. He's like, you know, I know the game's about to be over, but I just don't want to watch what's happening. And, I mean, Christ, I'm sure he probably turned around when he heard the fans screaming. There's oh. no way he could not have looked to see what had happened.
0: Oh, my God.
1: You know, and I remember sitting here, you know, my girlfriend, I don't know what the hell she's doing. But, <laughs> I mean, when Stefan Diggs caught that pass and I realized that the guy who's supposed to be the last man back is completely out of place, I actually stood up and I said, oh, my God. I, mean, I said it in the most normal tone and then I said it again. Oh, my God.
0: I think, oh I, God. I, think I elicited a sound like, oh, oh, oh.
1: It was just, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, are you? And I, I said, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then my girlfriend looks up, like, what?
0: What? What's You're wrong? like, you, 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 like, Did you, you gotta fit.
1: Did you just see what happened? What just? She's like, yeah, I thought they are supposed to. Lose. I'm like, no! Not the Vikings, the Saints. The Saints just lost. Like, I'm trying to, like...
0: Oh, my God. You, you know what else? That t- that makes me think of the the interception, the Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl interception. That's another I said, moment.
1: I was like, those are the only... I mean, this one, I personally... Because, as you know, as a Jets fan, I completely fucking hate the Patriots. <laughs> but I have such an emotional investment in this game, and I, I'm not a big Saints fan. And, you know, even I, at the same time, I was like, man, I have to feel, like, happy for the Vikings because this is just... It was just that kind of that rise and that fall, you know, emotionally. Like, can you just imagine what Saints fans felt like in that moment when they were like, "Oh my God, we just lost." I, I mean, that must have been crushing.
0: I had a I had a conversation with a Saints fan the very next day, and it was hard for him to uh, to even to even vocalize what he went through.
1: Just ripped out of your chest in the last what was it? Seventeen seconds. I don't even know how much time. I think was it was.
0: On. I want to say ten seconds.
1: It's just crazy, just crazy to me how that game ended. I mean, that's one of those games where there's gonna be a day when it comes on like ESPN Classic or something like that, and I will sit and watch. Oh, just because, just because it was. I mean, I watched from the second half on just because it was so much. It was just a good game, man. It was just a nice. It was a great game. This watch, why you watch playoff football. Like that was just a, another, a fun, you know, game to watch from beginning to end. Just to see two completely different monsters and see this is why. Both of these teams are in the playoffs
0: right now. Oh man, and I, you know, I hope this is not the last ride we have with Drew Brees because I want really, more of really. this. He was so good, so good, 141?
1: and forty-one. How old is this guy now? I mean, he's
0: at thirty-nine. I think he'll be forty soon. I mean, he's up there.
1: Amazing. Uh, he he's he can still play for at least three or four years. I don't know about Brady, but I would love to watch Drew Brees for a few more years.
0: Dude, Drew Brees. So we need to now, and I'm going to use this this discussion about. Hall of Fame quarterbacks gouging amazing defenses because now, listen, the reality is with the winning quarterbacks, and we're going to get to the AFC in a second, but essentially in the final four, we're dealing with Tom Brady, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, and Case Keenum. So the idea of having one of these Drew Brees types quarterbacks who can sort of always take apart an elite defense is starting to slip away because now Brady's the only one out there who still has that danger in him, that that Super Bowl right. chip that he could just take apart a D at any time because Drew Brees nearly did it with the Vikings until the Stefan Diggs miracle. Um, before we get into the AFC, let's talk about the matchup. Let's talk about the NFC matchup. Let's do a quick yeah. preview. Um, I think we can go ahead and pick winners as well. This is going to be Eagles-Vikings. It's going to be this Sunday, uh, the 21st, in Philadelphia. Probably be cold, chilly. Um, we're looking at two defenses. We're looking at two former Jeff Fisher quarterbacks of the Rams in Case Keenum and Nick Foles. Um, how bizarre, how bizarre to, to see this come together. But now, I mean, I'm going to give you some things that I'm going to be looking for, which is I see capabilities for the Eagles to win this game in number one. Uh, you're going to see the defense be able to get after Case Keenum and interrupt their timing. I think there's vulnerabilities. I think that there's opportunities for Thielen and Diggs to really hurt the secondary. Uh, I do think that the Eagles' front seven is going to damage that run game. I don't think Latavius Murray and um, Jarek McKinnon are going to be able. You know, they're they're going to throw some stuff in there. They've got gadget right. plays. They've got swing play, uh, screen pass plays. But I think they'll be able to kind of temper that and get after Keenum and that's where I see them winning this game because this defense can really be world beaters. Now, same time, this is not the Falcons' defense. Nick Foles is going to have trouble against Everson Griffin and this front seven. I mean, Sendejo. hopefully he plays. I mean, this is going to be a game of field position and field goals, and hopefully you have one or two long drives where the Eagles are able to get it in because we can't take this away. We need to remember about this Falcons game. The Eagles had several long drives, like 10, 12, 14 play drives of eight minutes. And that's not going to be as easy to do that against a Vikings defense. So that's where I see sort of the possibility of, you know, one major turnover one way or the other can decide this game. Uh, that Those are some of my thoughts. Give me some of your thoughts before, before we pick winners. Give me, what are you seeing with this matchup?
1: I think on both sides of the football here, I mean, the name of the game is really pressure at the end of the day. And look, the Vikings, it can be done because the Saints did a great job especially in the second half of putting pressure on on Keenum and we, we he he has a flaw you know he gets a little bit jittery in the pocket and I think he he as opposed to taking the sack it looks like he's much rather dump off the football so mm-hmm. i mean there, there's a hole there to exploit if possible and i think the Eagles can do it they have the they have the personnel to really apply pressure on that side of the football on the other side of football for the Eagles i mean I, I, The running game is going to be a kind of a tricky thing. I think they, they have a better, you know, one-two punch than a lot of people would appreciate in, you know, in the And I, I think I, I think it's going to be, look, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to bullshit you, Sam. It's going to be rough, though. I think they're going to have to gash him. They're going to have to look at this tape against, uh, you know, the Saints, especially when the Saints came back in the second half to kind of see what works. And, um, you know, because Xavier Rhodes... He's going to be playing his ass off out there. And uh, obviously, you know, he, he he doesn't take kindly to uh to any kind of opposition. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. So I think the Eagles are going to have to find some, uh, some holes in that defense. And I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to have to get rid of the football quickly. Maybe some more screen passes involving the running backs just to kind of also take Nick Foles, you know, mentally, especially at the beginning of the game. Because if he's getting pressure constantly in that first half and he can't get his wits together, I mean, this thing could fall apart quickly. So they may have to do a lot of screen passes, a lot of dump-off, outlet passes, just to pick apart this defense. If that's how we're going to get these long 15-play drives, that's probably the best way to do it. But um, every now and then, I don't think they should hesitate to try to throw it downfield, at least on the weak side. Um, Newman, Terrence Newman's old. He can be beat, and he was beat a few times last weekend by Michael Thomas. So if there's, an, there's a hole to exploit in the defense, it's right there.
0: I'm picking the Eagles 16
1: 13. Ooh, um...
0: I think, yeah, I feel good about that. I think it's real. I think it's possible. I think that it, this is going to be a lot of punts and I think it's going to be a lot of field goals. And I mean, I just see the Eagles really kind of doing a little bit of like, you know what, we're going to give you everything except the first down. And. I mean, aside from some huge plays, possibly by a Latavius Murray or a Jarek McKinnon, I mean, I see the Eagles squeaking this thing out, you know, now that we're not dealing with Drew Brees, you know, now that we're not dealing with the LA Rams, I mean, this is a defense that could choke out a team like the Vikings defense and... If Foles plays as smartly and as conservatively as this previous game, and if they do, if they do anything to cut down the turnovers and run this ball down their throat with a giant blunt, I'm going to go with the Eagles.
1: Look, if it was a neutral field, I'd actually take the Vikings in this one. I think uh, I think their defense is slightly better than the Eagles. I think their wide receivers are. A, a step up from what the Eagles have in their possession. And uh, Case Keenum, I I can't really, I've, like I said, I've been watching this guy since college and I haven't been able to wrap my head around him. So, I I mean, I, I would say he's probably a liability at quarterback as well. But I'm going to give a slight nudge to the Eagles just because of home field advantage. That's really about it. I think they're going to try and create as much noise in that damn stadium and Lincoln Financial Field as humanly possible. To keep Case Keenum off his cadence, factor that in with the pressure that the Eagles' front line is definitely going to bring. I think it's going to rattle Keenum enough to let the Eagles get a quick early lead and to run the football. So one, keep the pressure off of Nick Foles, and two, to burn out that clock because this is not going to be, this is not going to be a shoot, uh, you know, a shooting fast. This is going to be. I want to say low score, and You're saying 13-16. I'm thinking even lower than that. I'm thinking maybe 10-13 Eagles.
0: Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm getting excited, man. Now the Eagles have got the identity of a defensive smash mouth. I'm loving this. Dude, I haven't felt this positive about the Eagles, I mean, since, like, you know, when before the Wentz injury, man. I'm just, it's exciting. They've got a real chance at winning this game. I just, oof, it's feeling it's good. Fun, and it's going to be cold be in Philly. Honest, it's gonna be I cold. I wish
1: sometimes. I wish sometimes that they would just let, I, I even just to open the second half, just to try to catch the the, the secondary sleeping and just have like you know, have them, Nick Foles just throw a deep pass and just angle it so that it's something that if it can't be caught by a receiver, it's just going out of bounds. Nothing in the middle of the field, just an outer edge because you've got you've got the personality. Tory Smith still got plenty of speed. Uh, I mean. I really wish they, they they need something. I think to kind of catch this uh, this Vikings defense sleeping and just kind of snap alert and say, "Hey, you gotta be prepared for everything." I would love to see that. I don't think it's realistic, but um, look, man, Nick Foles again. Look, you look at those numbers from the last game. When he, you know, he's there was a reason why he was drafted. There was a reason why he had such a great season with the Eagles in the first place. I don't know what the separation was from you know then and now but he he, he's not a shit quarterback there's stuff there's something there and I I don't know I'm hoping that this this playoff run will kind of bring that out for him
0: I hope so man he's he's earned he's earned some darn respect this season after all the ups and downs he's had he's he's bringing this team is in the NFC championship game and he's a part of it that's the truth
1: yeah yeah I mean there's no there's no dodging that there's no going around that
0: all right man, let's let's switch gears. Let's get to the AFC. I think uh d- d- um do are you so you, it, at this point, Shaka and I are both picking the Eagles. Now, we were both bucking the trend last week, but God damn it, I think we ended up picking the right teams. We're both going with the Eagles this time around. Um I don't know. I think we've had some pretty good picks this week or you know, we were a little off on wildcard weekend, but this past weekend I think we were pretty good. So, think twice before you start betting the Vikings and just giving them the over.
1: All things considered, that wild card weekend was, I mean, that was... That was wild. uh, Yeah, it was a a bit surprising, not going to lie.
0: Definitely wild. Um, But speaking of surprising, let's start off with the more surprising of the AFC matchups, the Jaguars beating the Steelers 45-42. Now... Number one, Blake Bortles dominating, looking like an offensive powerhouse. He was able to run the ball on the Steelers team. He was able to throw the ball on the Steelers team. Um, the score is definitely deceptive. The score makes it sound like it was a close game, but I think for the bulk of the game, it was pretty much, it was pretty convincing that Jaguars had this game in hand. They jumped out to a gigantic commanding early lead with a couple of uh, early touchdowns where they easily moved the ball down the field and were able to shut down this Steelers offense uh, with turnovers. And, you know, something that kind of jumped out at me, Shaka, was... All throughout the season, we've seen the Steelers sort of kind of have these come-from-behind, gutsy last-minute wins on field goals and touchdowns, and that felt like this entire game. They got down really early by a lot of points, and it sort of shocked everybody. And then, you know, there was this, like, oh, right, the Jaguars have been here before. The Jaguars have been in Pittsburgh and smacked around the Steelers, and now there were multiple, you know, uh, fourth-down tries for the Steelers. I think there was easily... Two drives where they tried to go for it on fourth and six or fourth and one and they couldn't get it. One of the touchdowns was a fourth and 11 pass to Antonio Brown that he essentially caught with one hand. I mean, there were some real heroics just to kind of keep keep them in the game, but it felt a little bit like all of the second half was garbage time to me in some strange way. Uh, give me some of your reactions from this game, because it really never felt like the like the Jaguars were in any danger in the second half, even when the Steelers were sort of throwing these miraculous 50-yard touchdown passes. Um, give me some takeaways from this game, Shaka.
1: You kind of hit some of that on the head where I was thinking, like, you know, a lot of the games, especially toward the end of the season, where they were doing this kind of in catch-up, you know, even with, like, the Browns, they had to come back <clears> – <throat> behind to beat the Browns at some point this year. You know, and it looks like they finally kind of they had that rabbit's foot, they just rubbed it too many times in the season It finally, it's out of magic. You know, Um, that's one note. Number two, the first time they met in the season and the Jaguars beat them, Leonard that ran for almost 200 yards. Uh, Ryan Shazier was still, you know, still on the field, and their defense was, I mean, in theory, supposed to be better at that point. This time, Ryan Shazier is in there. I mean, and they just kind of rotate out running backs on these guys and just stomp all over them, you know. Uh, T.J. Yeldon, who lost his starting job to Fournette, had a big day, had some big runs. He had a
0: great first down catch. I mean, he was yeah. – to to have him come in and spell Fournette, keep everyone fresh. Play
1: just as well. Play just as well as Fournette, you know. I mean, it, it, it was a lot of things that just kind of backed it into just – the Steelers getting pummeled. They got
0: stumped. Yeah, their them. defense looked paper thin. The Jaguars ran all over them. And Bortles threw some nice passes, man. There were some pinpoint yeah. third downs to D.D. Westbrook, to uh, to Alan Hearns. Uh, it's second and 15. Bortles is going to pick up the first down with his legs. I mean, the Steelers defense, uh, they had to real. that's a real moment where you got to take a long, hard look because this was a dominating defense that really did not come. They did not show up to play on Sunday.
1: Well, I would begs the question is I, I I try to think, and I didn't get a chance to actually look up what their defensive rankings were on the season. And I mean, they should probably do defensive defensive rankings for the first eight games, and then the you know, the eight games after that, because I know that second half of the season, I'm not crazy. There were some games where they just kind of let they just let get out of hand, um, and I, I really just looking towards their off season. I don't know where this team goes from here. I, you know. Le'Veon Bell is talking about retiring if he gets franchised again, which is, I don't know if that's just dramatics to kind of rush a deal or what, but he might not be here next year. Um, Ben Roethlisberger is getting up there. He's not as mobile as he used to be. Um, Still can throw the football a ton, but, you know, he might just be, might be just too beat up.
0: I mean I, I mean, I say you got to bring all these guys back. There's no reason to think they're not going to bring everyone back. I th- I think there's some real question marks on the defense.
1: That really is the defense is where they kind of need to shore up. And I mean, they might have to dive back into the draft. Maybe you know what trade Antonio? Bra- um, sorry, not Antonio. Martavis Bryant. Uh huh. You know, for a defensive draft pick, because there are a couple teams out there who I'm sure could use another guy at the wide receiver position. I'm looking specifically at the Falcons. Even Could you imagine with the Martavis Bryant on the other side of julio Jones. Yeah. like there's oh wow. there's some possibilities out there man like you know um they really need and they have a couple of expendable you know guys on the And at some point martavis bryant's gonna want big money it's happened before with them and other um you know speedy wide receivers out there they're yep. gonna have to get something up at some point so yep. i mean
0: and you know they, having an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver is not exactly a bad situation to be in um right. But it, it's just it's it's shocking how all that firepower couldn't stop the friggin' Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. I mean, yeah. we've known that this Jaguars <laughs> offense is nothing to get too excited about. I mean, they got held to ten points against the Bills on wildcard weekend, and now you're sitting here saying, you know, we were completely unable to stop Bortles or the run game. Now it, something else I wanna I wanna point out though is now what does this tell okay? Jacksonville's defense is one of the best out there clearly one of the things that's taking them to where the AFC championship game where they are now what does it say about them that Ben Roethlisberger was still able to kind of shred them in the second half
1: well I mean I just fact that's the Antonio Brown factor you imagine them trying to put any other wide receiver out there and doing having the same kind of results Antonio Brown is just and he's pretty much like the the asterisk you know, against any defensive he plays, he just doesn't count. Like you, you know, like he's just immune to any anything you can throw at him. There's no defender in the NFL, I think, that can really hold him legitimately. And I mean, when I say legitimately, you guys have to face off two tw- twice a season, and you have to shred him numbers-wise both times, and no one can do it. Yeah. I mean, he just—he's so damn talented. And I, I'm—I look at his game out there, and I think probably when his career is said and done, provided that he gets another like solid quarterback to throw to him, he might go down as, if not the best wide receiver of all time. I mean, just probably up there in my my top three oh, in yeah. terms of what I've seen from him. I mean, and he's he's so friggin' young still. He's got so much left. And he's got the type of game where, you know, he's not like a Randy Moss or Terrell Owens where it's all about speed and like out, you know, cooking you down the field. He's just precise route running. He just shakes the defender with a couple quick moves. He just—it's just intelligence, Mirac- I mean, it's and
0: miraculous nice. catching ability.
1: You know, he can play until he's probably in his in his late thirties, like a Jerry Rice. I and mean,
0: just up- this—the numbers he's put up so consistently over the last five seasons, I think, has already anointed him in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, he's down, I think. I mean, and so I would attribute that to you know, it's kind of the that that outlier in terms of why the Jaguars' defense. And I know Jalen Ramsey. Talks a whole bunch of shit, and as he should, because they won. Yeah, and you
0: know, and 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 for me, the Jaguars defense was the first half when they pick off Ben Roethlisberger on that Miles Jack interception. Um, when they when Telvin Smith is stripping Ben Roethlisberger and taking it to the house, like that was the deciding yeah. factor for. <coughs> excuse me, this Jaguars defense. Now, let's spin this right into the Patriots game because the game I, I don't even really. I mean, we could talk about the Patriots beating the Titans, but I don't even really want to, it. I want to almost spin it right into the AFC Championship game because, listen, okay, the Patriots beat the Titans. They beat them 35-14. They fucking dominated them, all right? The, the Titans went up 7-0, and then it was all Patriots for the rest of the game. They put on a clinic. They were able to throw the ball wherever they wanted to. Josh McDaniels went up-tempo. Tom Brady threw the ball 60 times. I think he had three touchdown passes. I mean, they did whatever the hell they wanted. This was a game... I mean, this felt like a blow. This felt like one of those um, earlier in the season, the Eagles and the Rams put like 50 points on somebody in the same weekend. I, th- I want to say the Eagles put 50 points on the Niners and the Rams put 50 points on the Giants. It was just this clinic of a game. Yeah. And that's what it felt like to me with the Patriots playing the Titans. I mean, listen, the Titans have some things to be optimistic about. In, in a strange turn of events, they've actually fired Mike Malarkey, which I kind of think is a good idea. Um, I
1: feel weird about that one, actually.
0: Well, go ahead. Why Why do you feel weird about it?
1: I I don't know. I don't think – well, Malarkey was there last year, and I I think that was a better team last year. But the the night and day, there's something else. I'm not really sure. There's one of those things I'm probably going to have to sit down and kind of go over there, you know.
0: I mean, I think think there was a bit of a ceiling with Malarkey and what you could do. And I think there was also a feeling that he was kind of there to start to protect Marcus Mariota, and that really wasn't happening. Um, Mariota
1: just doesn't have that kind of game where he wants to be, you know, a pocket quarterback. He running is no, very
0: no mo- mobility is always going to be part of him. He's kind of like a Russell Wilson, except that I, yeah. I just don't think he's as wily and he gets hit a little more. Um, anyway, listen, the Titans, that's neither here nor there. They lose. I just thought the Patriots really smacked him around and and were able to do whatever they wanted to them. So let's move that right into the Patriots playing the Jaguars. Because yeah. we did see Ben Roethlisberger and some of these, you know, now you nailed it. You're talking about, I was like, how did they put all these points on the Jaguars defense, Antonio Brown? Can Chris Hogan and Amendola and, and you know, James White and Deion Lewis, are? is that the game plan that the Patriots are going to bring up against the Jaguars? Like, let's look at this Jaguars-Patriots matchup because... Is this going to be another cakewalk for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick right to the Super Bowl where they game plan against Blake Bortles? They come in, they figure out a way to you know, squeeze in enough passes against Jalen Ramsey, and they're able to get enough r- funky run pass screen plays with Deion Lewis that they're able to score a couple of touchdowns and then survive their defense— or the Jaguars' defense going to come in and bring pressure, be able to get turnovers, be able to make them make mistakes, and actually slow down Bill Belichick in Gillette Stadium? Like, give me some thoughts here.
1: Uh, I'm going to say, well, obviously, outright, I, I'm I'm tired of the Patriots.
0: Me too. Patriots. I'm tired of them too. I want them to lose, but they fucking tired. won't.
1: And, but at the same time, I I just cannot genuinely put it past them for not—they're not, not going to come out here and with this team. But this is going to be. Just, of course, fucking sick to my stomach. Tom Brady, once again, rising to the occasion type of bullshit. You know, um, I'm going to say right now, I I would have said initially, I'd have expected Brandon Cooks to have a bigger impact on this offense than he actually does. Uh, I think he might have a big day. I mean, just because, how are they going to stop Gronk? I'm, I'm looking at just, just in terms of, He's a nightmare in terms of a matchup. How do you stop a guy like that who is that big and that fast and that good of a route runner? And I just don't know who they have to answer that, you know, that call. I'm sure they're probably gonna put another safety to shadow him out there, but I don't know how effective that's gonna be. Especially when Amendola as a safety, you know, the safety valve went off last weekend for friggin', you know, eleven cactus. He hasn't even been healthy all season. Where the hell did he come from? You know so the Patriots just have so many weapons at their disposal. I'm a little bit nervous, not gonna lie. this defense might look like Swiss cheese a little bit because the Patriots they don't have any set you know they're not they're not beholden to any set game plan every week. you're not gonna say oh well we're gonna do this this week. We're gonna do the same thing they do every week No they change up their game plans constantly one week Broncos is the star another week, Amendola, you know, another week, James White might be the guy that they call a Deion Lewis another week. They can just, they can go to whoever they want at will. They can turn nobodies into stars. It's hard. I mean, I don't know how you game plan for that. And I think everyone that the Jaguars have faced this season is, you know, you come in, you got your and board material. We're going to shadow this guy. You know, we're going to take A.J. Green out of his game. We're going to take this guy out of his game, you know, which is probably one of their biggest keys to success is that, They come in with a game plan to shadow one or two guys and they shut them down. I don't know how you do that with the Patriots.
0: Yeah. I I, I have no idea either. I don't know what they're going to plan. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be able to contain Dion Lewis. Uh, I don't know. I think they'll be able to probably contain some of the passing. Like, I think they're going to want to get pressure on Tom Brady and they're going to try to interrupt timing. I mean, historically that's been the only thing that's truly worked against Brady is you know, disrupting the offensive line, getting pressure on him and disrupting timing so that he can't do exactly what he wants to do. And, you know, if they're able to do that and maybe make up for their, you know, maybe Marcel Darius and Calais Campbell, you know, are able to stuff the run a little bit and you get a turnover. Like that's where I see opportunity for Jacksonville. But You know, I also just see them slowing down the Jaguars' offense, and I see Jacksonville not getting as many turnovers as they need, and, you know, maybe this being a 2014 game Patriots in Gillette I mean, you're going into Gillette. That's – it is – I mean, holy shit, it's hard for me to think that the Jag – I mean, but at the same time, Jaguars were – I think the Steelers were favored by eight points. You know, now they're going to New England. I think the Patriots are favored by seven, but – how many times do we have to bet against Blake Bortles before he's in the fucking Super Bowl?
1: I'm excited about this game, generally because I'm really, really curious to see if Jacksonville comes out here and shocks the world yet again. You know, we've been, uh, and I'm I'm guilty of it too, we've been naysaying and doubting this team all season. And they've come and they've punched a bunch of guys in the mouth that did not see it coming. So, who knows? I mean, uh, are the Patriots going to be the next people, you know, the next team that kind of fall asleep on these guys and just, you know, get get run over? I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see, though. So, I'll definitely be glued to the TV for this one.
0: So, who you got? I'm, I'm going to go with Patriots. 2014 Patriots.
1: Yeah, I got the Patriots in this one, man. There's no way I can go against. Wow. I mean, look, they might just to ease off the pressure. They might just have Tom Brady operate out of his shotgun all game. They've done it before. I mean, he's had ankle injuries. I mean, you notice that 70% of their plays come out of shotgun. They just have an offense that's like... It's like the whole offense is fucking yoga. They just, I mean, they're just
0: they so flexible. They can do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. I mean, let the, hear it now, guys. We're predicting Eagles-Patriots again for Super Bowl 52. I, I mean, it's on. We'll see how this weekend shakes out, but that's what we're calling right now. I mean, I mean, do you feel like there's anything else you want to add here, Shaka?
1: I mean, I think we said it, man. They, I mean, this is... Looking very familiar. It's just
0: that To won't be here this time, dude. Certainly not To, and I don't think anyone thought Carson Wentz wouldn't be there either. Who'd have thought that Austin's Austin, Texas's own Nick Foles would be there? Amazing. Well, we let's hold our tongues yet. Let's knock on wood. We still got to let these games play out, guys. Thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Like my Instagram uh, handle, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smith Jones. Email Shaka and I, mailbag questions at samsportstation at gmail.com. Guys, enjoy the conference championship games, some of the best games all season. I know we will be. And uh, listen, we'll be back next week to uh, break them down and talk about Super Bowl 52. Enjoy the games. Talk to you later. Bye bye.
1: Bye, guys. Enjoy the games.